Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, ESPN LA. Uh, and Andy, it is the 31st of January. We're about to enter February, which means we're about a week away from the trade, trade deadline. I thought you were going to say, which means we are about to enter March from there. No, well, that will come after. I thought you were just basically laying out the 12 months since this is the first. That is how my five-year-old does it when we start going through these things <laughs> and how he explains that it's basically Almost Christmas. Oh, well, I was going to say, for me, usually, uh, it's basically my birthday. That's right. basically what I hear from uh, my daughters, that it's basically my birthday. That's <laughs> what he's running with. Um, so the trade deadline is about a week away. We've seen the first really big move, uh, and it is, you know, no exaggeration. It was a big one. The Clippers traded Blake Griffin to Detroit, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll get into some potential implications for the Lakers and what they might do over the next week. Um, and that ties into this week in tea leaves. Andrew, there's a lot to cover. Don't have a ton of time to do it, so we'll jump right in with Lonzo Ball. I don't think he's going to, I mean, they have, Lakers haven't said so. He's not going to play Wednesday today in Orlando. He, I can't imagine he's going to play Friday in Brooklyn. Um, I, I don't think he's going to play on this trip. I don't Lakers think so haven't either. said so. So th- I don't think the schedule will lay out in a way that he's going to get the practice that they Correct. say he has to have before he does this. So I, I would be very surprised at this point if he plays on this road trip. Right. The, the most recent news is he got out on the floor and he did some lateral movement and didn't make his knee worse, which I guess is good. Um, first, do no harm. But let's say – I mean, the Lakers are being careful here. But let's say he misses – this is the eighth one he's missed, I believe, Wednesday – Will be the eighth game, eighth in a row, in a row, um, right? Counting, counting tonight's uh, expected, I, I'd say almost guaranteed. He's not playing. Have, he's not right, playing. He's not playing in a, okay, so counting tonight's game, he will have missed fourteen games this season. Okay, so let's say it's another, and it's looking like he's going to end up by the time this road trip is done missing, missing at sixteen, least, right? At least and at least ten straight, and hopefully not counting. So let's say he misses thirteen or four. They keep him up for another four or five games before he comes back. How worried should we be? I would be concerned. Do you notice the dramatic pause there before I ask that kind of that very important question? I think there should be some concern right now. I mean, because we we don't know Lonzo well enough yet as a player to know exactly, you know, his body and how he reacts to injuries and, you know, his threshold for pain, all, all of the different stuff. And, you know, he's also, too, uh, an NBA rookie trying to navigate what it means to play through pain or playing, you know, as opposed to playing while injured, you know, that playing while hurt as opposed to playing while injured. But we are seeing, though, is that when he gets hurt at all, it seems to take a while to get him back on the court. It is, and this is the thing that, that's hard. And he seems susceptible to injury. We, well, I mean, he's missed a couple of things. He's going to end up missing by the time this season is over, guaranteed at least a fifth of right. his and probably year. Probably about a quarter of it at the, at the least. It's a and little concerning. It is. And I think, you know, if you've seen, and obviously he's not here anymore, but you've seen what happens with D'Angelo Russell where the knee injury that the, he developed and had became a little, it seems like it might be kind of a chronic thing, which changes the context of the Russell trade, which is a conversation for a different day. But I always worry with with younger players in injury because you want them on the floor, but you also, he's 20 years old. Like his body is not done growing. He's not fully developed as a as a human being and as a man. And so, you know, knee injuries, sprains, things like that in the joints as they start, you know, continue to get bigger, as he puts on weight and all that stuff. The Lakers are, are right to be super-duper careful with this. And so when you start to hear 
the the chatter he's a slow healer does he not want to play will he only play if he's 100 percent and all this kind of stuff i don't know if that's lonzo how much oh let me rephrase i don't know how much of it is lonzo i don't know how much of it is the lakers i know the lakers are playing it incredibly conservatively sure and they, As well should. they should be he can learn to play through pain next year he can learn to do it as he gets older and as he gets more mature. I'm okay with that. I just, I, I, I worry as much about, you know, obviously the chronic thing because he's so important to the future of the franchise. But then too, it's like the dude needs to be out on the floor. It's like, it's, it's, it's a sad thing for the Lakers kind of in that short term, uh, in that short term gain to not have him out there developing at the same time with everybody else. Every game is a missed, Opportunities, you know, for the, for the core to grow, to see what you got, to figure out, are you better with Julius or without him? And so on and so on and so on. If he's not there, you're missing a huge portion of your evaluation. Yeah. In, in the meantime, too, just this, this notion of chronic injuries with Lonzo and, you know, how his body is projected to hold up over the course of a hopefully very long career. It's disconcerting to see him missing this amount of time this early in his career without a traumatic injury. Like, what happened with Julius Randle was awful. You know, his rookie year, he broke his leg 14 minutes into it. But tissue, right, tissue injuries, ligament injuries, all that kind of stuff are different. But with Randle, it's like, okay, I get why he's not on the floor. The guy literally can't walk, and you know he's going to come back, and then you just hope there's no recurrence. There's something more mysterious, in a lot of ways more frightening, about a guy who is unable to stay on the court when there is seemingly nothing all that traumatic going on. Well, with he's an MCL sprain. I mean, it's there is a diagnosed injury. No, no, I get it's not that. like there's nothing there. I get that, but it's not the only injury he's had this year. Right, or the and shoulder thing. My point is just like the you're getting some indications that his body might be more susceptible to, to injury than at the very least you were hoping at 20. Right, That's and all. so right, and the good it's news a little is if you are looking for signs that. You know, sort of previous indications, a previous record as a young player doesn't necessarily mean future, you know, injury or whatever. Knock on wood, Joel Embiid's been okay this year. Ben Simmons has been okay this year. Those guys haven't been, you know, they, they've, they've been treated very carefully and seem to be kind of coming out on the other side. So it's not like it's over for Lonzo, but we can't possibly be the only people who follow the team that are a little bit nervous. No, um, I would include uh, the team. Right. <laughs> Let's, but they, I, I, whatever it is, they should say, do you feel better? Lonzo, are you 100% today? Yes? Okay, great. Wait two more days, and then we'll let you play. Uh, I, I'm okay with that policy. Um, it has been a very busy week for this week in tea leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start in Cleveland. The city's on fire. <laughs> it is gone from bad to, oh my God, in Cleveland. Not, you know, they, they lost on Tuesday to a Detroit team that doesn't have Blake Griffin yet, but also didn't have Tobias Harris or Boban or any of the dudes that went out Avery, and that Bradley. Avery Bradley gone because of the deal. They lost bad to yeah. Cleveland. Or did, did Cleveland did to, to Detroit. They also lost Kevin Love for six to eight weeks with a broken hand. And as much as everybody rips on Kevin Love and blames him sort of for everything that goes on there, he's their pal. They, that is a horrible loss for them. He orchestrates a lot of their offense when LeBron doesn't have the ball in his hands. 
and is their only other really good player as long as IT is playing the way he is. Wait, I mean, look, Kevin Love is an all-star. I mean, and he's not just an all-star. He's one of the only players that was chosen as an all-star by the coaches who's not the guy on his team. You know, it's not like the focal point of his team. It's basically like Al Horford, Kevin Love. You know, the, the Warriors are sort of their own specific entity. But there aren't a lot of guys who were chosen for the all-star team as as a second option. That's meaningful as far as what coaches see and the value that Love brings. Right. And so now you have a situation where Love's averaging 18 and 10. He's really good. And now you have a situation where in Cleveland, they are a catastrophically bad defensive team. They're a bottom three team. And it's getting worse, not getting better. And so you figure you got to fix that. And so you take the one thing that was kind of working okay. They could score some points. That wasn't the issue. And you gut it basically with losing Kevin Love. Now Isaiah has to figure out how to be good quickly, or LeBron has to go from – what is one step above doing everything? <laughs> like, how do you do more than everything? Um, it's Okay, here's, here's the example. Here's the comp, and you can – I would say LeBron has it worse. He has it worse with uh, the Cavs missing Kevin Love. But I would say this is the comp that most of our listeners will relate to, and – and probably even feel for LeBron, the 2007 Lakers, the team that Kobe, well, that's the Kobe tra- right now, yeah. not 2006 because that team was more optimistic. You know, there was still some hope that maybe Smush Parker could be a reasonably useful player. Kwame Brown was starting to briefly right. come into his own. You know, Andrew, hey and- guys, this could work. Andrew Bynum spun around Shaq. You know, there was all that optimism that year, and you know that was the the Lakers pushed the Suns to seven games, which you know even though they blew a three one lead, nobody even expected them to have it. 2007 was ugly. You know, we covered that team, and Kobe had to do everything to get them into the playoffs to lose four to one again to the Suns. I would say that's a comp that our listeners can relate to for what LeBron's going through, and that wasn't fun. All right, so you have to figure out now what does Cleveland do? At least Kobe had Lamar Odom. So it's been it's been made pretty clear, some other reporting and all that kind of stuff, that this has basically been a tire fire. Like Dan Gilbert is now making basketball decisions, says some of the reporting. And Kobe Altman, the new GM who replaced David Griffin, the GM that 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 LeBron liked, it's just kind of like hanging, like he's there. He doesn't have a lot of authority because Dan Gilbert, noted businessman, excellent at business. Not sure he's you know capable of running a front office is doing that. Basically, since they let Griffin go, this has been a, a LeBron-angering tire fire. Mm-hmm. So that's good if you're the Lakers because that means LeBron's coming, right? <laughs> Obviously. Um the 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 question becomes if nothing now, if nothing else it opens up the possibility that he's more. leaving. I mean, it, well, I think at this point he's leaving. Right. Well, it's, he can't come here unless he leaves. So that's step sure. one. I mean, LeBron it, it, has it's to leave. Feel, it's feeling increasingly like LeBron is going to leave. It feels increasingly like this Cavs team just has had it with each other. You know, beyond the roster limitations, they don't seem like a team that either will play for each other or even wants to play with each other. They seem like a team that's run its course. And, you know, to be honest, as much as this will piss LeBron off, they're not a team that I think right now, I don't want to get into the weeds of this, is even worth using that Brooklyn pick on. Because, like, the idea that you want to make sure you know you did everything to keep LeBron there. Right. If it really feels like he is leaving no matter what, then at that point, you're really doing this more for yourself than LeBron. 
I would say find a different way to look at yourself. Okay, in the two questions with this, and I know you said you didn't want to get. I don't think this is too weedy. One of the players that theoretically could help, you know, at least inject talent into that roster. If they, if the Cavs were to just say, bleep it, we got to go all in because if there's a 25% chance of us keeping LeBron, we got to do it. I, I would carry the one, but anyway. But let's just say, like, I if, would redo your math and make sure you didn't carry the only one. We okay, ha- sure. Only we have sure. a 25% sure, sure, chance. Sure, it's sure. not a good. Sure. Julius Randle is available. Mm-hmm. If you could get Julie, if you if you're the Lakers, would you send Julius Randle there for the Cleveland's first round pick and expiring no. deals? And no, whatever? I agree with you. I don't think no. that's enough. No, Julius is too good for that. Would you do it for the Brooklyn pick and whatever expirings and all that kind I of mean, stuff? I mean, you and I may be the wrong people to ask for this because we both feel Julius Randle's very undervalued by this franchise right. and also feel like they may be putting their eggs in a basket. That may not end up filling up at the expense of players who are good, like say, for example, Julius. But you're not going to do. You are not going right. to do better than I was a going top to say, ten pick for Randall. I was going to say, if you've made up your mind though that this is the course and Julius just doesn't fit with the math, even if you miss on LeBron and Paul George and whatever's going to happen with Boogie, and my God, that's awful that he tore his Achilles. But like, let's just say you've decided for whatever math we want, Julius isn't going to work. Then yeah, I would do that because you're essentially trading Julius for a six or seven pick, which is how you got right. him in the first place. Right. Seven, eight, nine, whatever it might be. Now, okay. So if you're Cleveland, would you do that? Do you think, do you think Cleveland would give that up for Randall? I, see, I think they, because there's talk that they wouldn't even, they haven't even been able to, to do that for DeAndre. I would say this though. It makes more sense for Cleveland to do it for Randall than I agree. DeAndre. I think it makes much more I sense. I completely because, agree. Because you're getting talent that can help you now. But also could be talent that helps if LeBron ends up leaving. Right, DeAndre, will cost you less money going DeAndre is a prime. DeAndre is a potential rental that really doesn't make sense to re-sign if LeBron leaves. So I mean, at that point, you're really just sort of spitting in the wind and hoping that it doesn't blow back in your face when LeBron leaves. Part three to this question: Okay, should the Lakers be making trades to two teams that could theoretically help LeBron stay where he is, even if they get a good return? Do you want to be doing stuff? Because there's a there's an equivalent trade with like you know with with OKC for example. Like Jordan Clarkson would be a great fit over there in terms of what they need bench well, he, bench scoring. They really need Jordan. Makes Clarkson. a lot of sense. On the other hand, trading Jordan Clarkson to Oklahoma City makes it more likely that Paul George stays in Oklahoma City. I think City. that's different, though, because Paul George, I think, is more of a threat to stay where he is than LeBron. LeBron seems much more, seems much more likely and frankly, much more justified to leave Cleveland than Paul George, who's been you know, increasingly talking about how much he likes it there, how Russ is his guy. Yeah. But also we if played you, that sound last week. But if you look at if you look at his situation, it's better. Like you can picture what the future holds and that it could be really good. Cleveland's future looks really murky. So I would be, I guess, more willing to trade uh into Cleveland, risking LeBron staying there. You know, you you and I both like Julius Randle. We don't like Julius Randle enough to say that's enough to make LeBron stay. I mean, Julius Randle is not going to make LeBron stay in Cleveland. No, probably not. If he prob- thinks, the rest, of it, if he thinks the rest of it is crap, but, but but you got Julius. Well, here's the thing too, and it's like you know you have so a it's situ- it's a different scenario. And and again, in the spirit of this week in tea leaves, where you're just making fairly wild suppositions, it's the best kind. 
they really are my favorite. What's what's the point of grounded speculation? If boring, Paul George. If LeBron gets a feeling that George is content and wants to stay where he is, mm-hmm. they or not if you just call him and ask him. If George is successful in OKC and they make a run to like the conference finals or whatever it is, he decides he likes it. Russ is his guy. That wasn't all BS and whatever, and he stays. LeBron might still leave, but he's much more likely then to do the power play to Houston or something like that. Philadelphia. Right, because he's not coming here without other dudes. I think, you know, Paul George might come here. George could come here without other dudes, and but LeBron won't. I, I would find that I, I stunning. stunning. I mean, absolutely 100% stunning. So, you could get the lottery pick. I would make the deal. I, you can get the lottery pick, and I don't know if it's a real thing or not, but I would – and and just say, you know what, LeBron's probably going to leave, but if George is happy, he's going to – that means LeBron is going to go somewhere else. And I think, you know, you, you have to do it. Cause if you're the Lakers, ultimately you just have to keep making trades that make you better. And if you think you're better set up in the long run and you can replace Randall more cheaply or play, fill it, get a shooter or do sure. something. Okay. Then with that top, as long as you are playing some type of long game as opposed to it purely being about the math. For LeBron, who may not be coming, anyway. well, it's not. It, it becomes free agent math sure. where you're getting whatever. But I mean, just star. a top ten pick, you're getting the best of both right. worlds, where you theoretically can get a very good player while lowering I'm, your I'm, cap number. What I'm talking about, though, is just lazy star effing free agency plans. Right. Where basically it's just about we're going to target this obvious A list free agent. It's like I I don't need a great basketball mind, like you know. No disrespect to you know Pat Riley or Sam Presti or the other great minds around the league. I don't need them to tell me Kevin Durant will make your team better. So Guys, you know well, what I mean? Let's wait. No, 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 no. Let's make two columns with the pro in one side and the, the negative in the but other. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like you you want to make sure that it's about more than just moving Randall for that space for the 25% chance that you could get LeBron. It's right. got to be about more than that because we've seen how this goes before. And at that point, you have to question, does this front office know how to do anything other than the painfully obvious? Like, do they have any vision at all <laughs> right. other than, you know what, if we added the best players around the league to our team, our team would be better. <laughs> Again, you can, Hard pay, argue. Me, you Hard can argue. pay me a hell of a lot less than Rob Blinka to come to the same conclusion. Go get Kev- Kevin Durant. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Moving- Moving on. Uh, but here's the other question. And you brought this up, and we, we've, we've sort of touched on this conversation. I don't know, but this year, more than any, emphasizes that LeBron James, having LeBron James is an, is an excellent thing. Yeah. Because he's still the best basketball player on the planet. It's not easy, though. Like, living in a LeBron world is not easy. Nope. And we have seen with the right front office and the right coaches – it can be done. He can be managed, and 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 LeBron world can can work, and you can win titles. But if not, it's ugly and it's difficult. And he chews up everyone around him, and all the oxygen in the organization disappears. He steamrolls and front he, offices. And, and everything goes to like you know David Griffin. They managed to figure out how to way to make that win. That was not smooth at the beginning, but over time, I think LeBron developed a lot of respect for him. The Lakers front office is new. I think overall they've done a good job. The scouting has been good. The drafting has been good. They had some messaging problems that they're still planning on overcoming. But some of the messaging has also been successful in changing the the narrative around the franchise. LeBron, though, is like PhD graduate level 
Riley can handle it kind of front office stuff. The Lakers, they if they can get LeBron, need to take him. I'm not totally convinced, though, that they're ready for LeBron. I'm not They'd even, have to learn on the fly, and that won't be easy. There's a lot of strength and culture that you need to, ha- that you need to, I think, really have LeBron, not just for your team to be successful, but, but for your team to be able to sort of protect its space with LeBron there. Because, I mean, for example, there's the question of concessions that you'll be making for LeBron, and not just like the idea of, you know, could, you know, can Rich Paul accompany him on a team plane or something like that, you know, that supposedly had, I don't remember if it was Miami or Cleveland had issues. I'm not, I'm not talking about that stuff. Let Rich Paul go wherever he wants. I don't care. I, I don't and care. And if the about rules that. are different for LeBron, right. of course no, they are. No, the rules were different for Kobe when Kobe was a member of the organization. And you know what? They should have been. Did it occasionally get out of hand? Yes. But you know what? Kobe's really good at right. basketball. Right. Kobe was really, really good. But the idea of concessions for LeBron, though, does take on, uh, I think, a different context when you talk about the fact that you're making these concessions for LeBron after 14 years in the league, at minimum, seven straight trips to the finals, and about 50,000 career minutes, including what he's done in the playoffs. People may not realize this. LeBron already has like 6,000 more regular season minutes than Kobe did before Kobe blew out his Achilles. I checked the math on this. I and I and and, I, and, and someone should double check it. No, I but, I used calculators and everything. And he's, abacus. Got, he's got like six thousand more career minutes than Kobe did before blowing out the Achilles. I'm not I'm not counting the the final three years really, of Kobe's really career. Did bust out of calculators. Yes. This. Well, because I was thinking about this, I'm like, you know, how much are you willing to reconfigure for LeBron? How much, you know, who are you willing to sign? Like, you know, there was the ridiculous Nerlens Noel rumor that, that LeBron wanted to bring in that Rich Paul client with him to the Lakers. And you and I discussed and it. Some and some of I that, said, some of that gets into Jim Carrey. I'm going to see what I can, what writers, you know. Right. Will they put there, only green MMs there was a story in my about how, There was a right. story about how Jim Carrey, you know, right as he was really realizing how big a star he was, like put some writer in his contract where his trailer had to be rebuilt to have a disco floor. Right. Just and there, and there was a see. Right, right. And there was a chef for his pet iguana, <laughs> which I think he eventually reimbursed the studio for. He realized this is ridiculous. But like Nerland's Noel, if Nerland's Noel comes with LeBron, I'm sorry. My response is no. Right. And there's, a, there's a, but like also, who are you willing to trade for LeBron? Right. Who are you willing to fire but also, for LeBron? But also too, like what is, what, how much of the, the sort of passive aggressive LeBron thing, um, are, do you tolerate? How do you handle those things? How do you maintain dynamics? And look, they have some experience with it in the organization because there, there is some institutional, understanding of stars and obviously Rob Palenka had a front row seat for how they sure. dealt with Kobe but it's different but it's different though it... when you're working on Kobe's behalf correct and when you're doing it from inside the front office and you know they is Magic Johnson as strong a figure up top in terms of demanding respect as Pat Riley was in Miami um can they develop can Rob Palenka elevate to the same place as a you know, as a David Griffin did, or or something like that. You know, can can Spo or can Walton maintain the same the kind of respect that Spo was able to get with the support of a very strong front office? And again, the answer is if you can get LeBron, you get LeBron. But it's one of those things where you have to you you hope that the front office, the Lakers front office, is prepared 
eventually for what they're getting. And some of their earlier tests about looking forward and understanding three steps ahead of, like, if we do this today, if I say this today, if we put this out today, here's what the ripple effect is going to be. They'll have had to learn from those experiences to handle the LeBron thing better. Well, he, if, it, if we're all fortunate enough for it to come to pass. Well, okay. Here's the last question I, I would raise with LeBron, you know, with, with you, with the notion of if you can get him, you bring him in, which most people would consider a no brainer. And I understand. Again, going back to your GM conversation before about how you could be the GM of the team. Should we get LeBron? Yes. Okay. Right. Next on the agenda. But, but like, you know, again, the prism of the mileage that he has on him right now and that at some point, it always catches up to every single player. I don't care if he seems like a cyborg. At some point, this will catch up to him. You know, Kobe used to play through everything until he couldn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even before he tore his Achilles, we had reached a period where Kobe could not play through everything anymore. And the question that I do think the Lakers need to ask themselves, and I I say this just, and I want to make sure we save a little bit of time to talk about Blake Griffin, but I do think it's worth raising is, If they're going after LeBron, are they doing it because, first and foremost, they think it's the best basketball move, or is it because of the relevance factor? Like, are you trying to prove as an organization that you are relevant again, or looking relevant again? Because we've heard from Jeannie Buss, you know, the notion of it's depressing the idea of the Lakers. I don't know how you separate those two, though, because by you're relevant because you've got LeBron and you have a chance to win a title. Right, but it's... No, but I guess this is the question I would have is I'm I'm not I guess I'm not as 100 percent convinced that if you have LeBron at this stage of his career moving forward, you are automatically in title contention with the roster that they have right now. Well, obvious. But again, it's not if 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 LeBron's not coming by himself, LeBron's bringing, you know, he's bringing another free agent. Why? One of the reasons I don't think he's coming, but it depends. I mean, is he bringing another A-list free agent or is he bringing Dwayne Wade? Well, he might bring Dwayne Wade too, but but also but how many? But how Dwayne many? Wade just but how a, many different people? The point being, though, the the question of how many different people does he bring beyond say a list free brings, agent? He's not X. coming if there's not going to be a second superstar. I would think not because either. he's not going to play. You know, he loves Dwayne Wade. I would think, but he's not. He, assuming you believe that LeBron wants to win titles um, and still wants to compete at that level, he loves D Wade. He's not. He's not assuming that just D Wade's going to be enough. So. He's only coming here. If I just, it means I have, I have with periodic it. concerns that the organization is too concerned with the relevance factor. I think and they, fall, they, they and may, falling they into may the back be. of, and, and falling into the back of basketball minds, back of, you know, their fans' minds. And I think it's a stupid fear. It is. I think it's, it I think is, it's, but I think in this particular case, they, I, I, you know, the relevance comes from if you sign LeBron, you are going to bring, you know, the, you're bringing this amount of me, you're basically figuring that you can uh, uh, assemble a championship caliber team. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to sign LeBron to begin with, and so that makes okay. you relevant. Okay. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm not as convinced that all the pieces are going to fall into place to end up. It's to, the only way it'd come. Well, I mean, he may, but he may expect it to happen, and it doesn't. I mean, we'll, we'll there's see. No, there's, there's no. The, I also wherever LeBron goes. There will be no mystery as to what the resulting roster will be. Here's the here's he will the, know the answer before he gets there. Sure. Okay. All right. I just there's an issue of sustainability in terms of what they might be building with LeBron if he were here. There's no question. It's a two or three year window. And 
having watched them having watched them come out of, you know, a championship window and seeing how hard it is to put yourself in the place that they're at now where they can legitimately say we have bricks that we can use to keep building upward. Uh-huh. I have some hesitation about the idea of tearing yourself down to a shorter window, particularly when it's lined up against the Warriors who you're not going to beat anyway. Well, that may be, but the the flip side of that, the alternative is you wait another 4 or 5 years and with no but you can really? get back into the playoffs in those four or five years. You just may not win a championship, but you may not win a championship anyway. But you've got, but you get I, I more, you. Cra- you get more cracks at it. I'm just saying, I, I, again, if do you gun, really, like, but again, gun to my head, do I, if you ask me, do you want LeBron or not? My answer is going to be yes. It takes a gun just, to your head. I just don't you really need a gun to your head. No, for that? no, I guess not. It's an expression. I know, People but I mean, but, but I, I don't mean literally. I mean, you, I don't think it's as simple you're as you're thinking make about it. it that I don't hard think that you have as, to. Yes. I don't okay. think it's as simple as people make it. All right. With LeBron at this stage of his career, I don't think it's as simple as people make it. It's, it reminds me a lot of, Towards the end of Kobe's career, before the Achilles, when people kept saying, as long as you have Kobe, you know, this will last forever. Because people kept counting on Kobe to be able to play forever and play at that level forever and never get hurt. And then once the bottom fell out, it fell out hard. That's true. Um, That's all I'm saying. I I, I think with LeBron at this stage of his career. If you put LeBron with the current Lakers, obviously they're not going to win a title. They're not going to come anywhere close. But again... All, uh, my my whole thing is predicated on the idea that LeBron will know the answer of what the roster is going to be and which star slash potentially okay. stars will be there when he plays. And so, you know, I, I assume that you're talking about a pretty good team um, once he gets here. So, um, and he's coming because it's terrible in Cleveland. Let's talk a little bit about Blake Griffin because you know the trade itself has been pretty well analyzed. The you know the Clippers obviously undoing the the signing, which amazing. I can't imagine. I can't amazing. believe they got a do over. Amazing. Detroit understands this is the only way they're going to get a star. And Blake Griffin, as much as we talk about the injuries and criticize him and something, he really is good an elite player, and he's been very good this year. And he's developing a three point shot and and all that stuff. He's really good, really good player. The more interesting thing for me is is what this means for the Clippers going forward in terms of specifically how they now start to compete with the Lakers, theoretically, maybe not this summer, because we don't know yet what they're going to do with DeAndre and Lou Williams, although potentially, I guess, as early as this summer. Um, but certainly by 2019, they could be competing with the Lakers as a free agent destination. This is assuming, by the way, the Lakers didn't build their su- uh, super team this summer. This summer. Which looks like it very well may be a thing. The Lakers are certainly starting to talk that way. Steve Ballmer is worth $40 billion, is willing to spend deep into the luxury tax because he's worth $40 billion. All that stuff doesn't matter. I know they're the Clippers. I think if you look at it, if they can somehow get enough infrastructure around it where somebody, a star, can look at it and say, wow, they really are on the way back, the fact that the Clippers are the Clippers and the Lakers are the Lakers is not going to be what keeps a star from choosing the Lakers over the Clippers. I think that you know a a Clippers team with sixty million dollars of cap space or fifty or forty or thirty or whatever it be and a legitimate infrastructure behind it should scare Lakers fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard uh, Zach Lowe's recent podcast and had Lee Jenkins and Ramona in and out and Ra- Rachel Nichols in and out, but she brought up uh, Rachel a really good point that you know for the average NBA player, you know, particularly if you start getting into the millennials. 
you know, they didn't see Michael Jordan play. You know, they they didn't right. see, they're not familiar with the Clippers that we grew up watching. Like they really only know the Clippers as a fairly successful, you know, reasonably well-run right, post post racist Reason- owner. Well, but I mean, you know what, even the last couple years of racist owner Donald Sterling were pretty successful. Yeah, Bomber didn't buy the team until 2014. Right. I mean, they, they're on they current were on, six playoff, yeah. Ironically, right when Donald Sterling started doing the things that reputable owners do, that's when he got kicked out of the league. I mean, the the timing of it was uh, pretty hilarious. But, you know, as he says, no good deed goes unpunished. (laughs) You know, I mean, like the average, say, 27-year-old in the NBA, they don't really have strong memories of, you know, the Clipper fans with bags over their heads and stuff like that. I mean, some of them, their their memories may go back to, like, the Elton Brand, Lamar Odom, you know, those groups, like, you know, which weren't. Yeah, they were fun. And then, you know, they had the one year that where they went to the second round of the playoffs. Wee-hee! Like, you know, Elton Brand and Sam Cassell and those guys. Like, you know, they, they don't see, not only do they not see the Clippers the same way that people you and our, you and I of our age bracket would, they don't see the Lakers the same way. Right. They've seen an awful lot of crappy Lakers. And I, I just, I feel like. Like they know, know of the prestige, but I'm just saying like it's not the same as when we were growing up and what the Lakers You want to rank rebuilds and, you know, go back the last few years, you know, it's weird to put the Celtics in this category, but they're still kind of in it because they still have so much stuff they can use to continue to improve the team. You know, Boston obviously zoomed way ahead of the Lakers in terms of their rebuild. Philly, I think, is ahead of the Lakers. They have more stuff. They have more established stars. If you want to compare the Lakers to where they are this very moment to where the Clippers are this very moment, the Lakers are in much better oh, shape. it's not even it's close. Not even, and it's not even close. It's not even so right now, the Lakers have a lot that they can offer in terms of new facility, new management, young players that, you know, have a lot of potential and, you know, they've got their own draft picks and they've, you know, all that stuff's over. They can, they can build going forward and they have cap space and the Clippers are still working that out. If though, Jerry West, still Jerry West, people, I mean, the guy's still doing stuff. Well, I mean, there's a very widespread belief that Jerry West was the guy who finally got in Steve Ballmer's ear and made him come to Jesus and say, look, this team built around Blake Griffin, who is not good enough to be the focal point of a championship team. You're not going anywhere with this group, and you need to break this up. Because you and I both thought, you know, at, at the time that when Chris Paul forced his way to Houston, the Clippers should have been looking to move DeAndre Jordan. They should have been looking to sign and trade Blake Griffin. They should have realized you're not going to, at this point, it's over. It's not going to go anywhere. Right. Instead, the Clippers doubled down and they gave Blake Griffin a massive deal, brought in Danilo Gallinari to what is now one of the worst deals in the league. And you could see, like, there's a ceiling to this team and it was not particularly high. And, you know, there was always this belief that Steve Ballmer just wouldn't be able to stomach a rebuild, you know, particularly at a time when he wants to get a new arena and the Lakers have been a little down. You know, he's he's enjoyed nothing but the playoffs since taking over this team. And if you ever see Steve Ballmer during a game, as goofy as he may look, he's having fun. Forty billion. He's having a really good dollars. time. And, and he, you know, I just I look, I know it's cap league. I had this argument with Steve yesterday on the radio, Mason. It's a cap league. I get it. There are rules about how you can build it up. If the Clippers can get there, these these debates like you know, and I, I this is Again, go back to LeBron conversation. The notion that LeBron, Camp LeBron, is unhappy that Dan Gilbert hasn't spent enough money is kind of absurd. But that won't happen with Ballmer. He's super competitive. He's willing to build an arena in Inglewood, Andy, that I, as far as I can tell, I don't know how that thing could possibly make money. 
just so the Clippers can fill it for like 40, 40 nights a year. He's willing to do that because he's worth $40 billion. He'll spend, if he, oh, I can win a title, but it's going to cost me an extra $50 million this yeah, year the, in luxury taxes? People need to understand. I don't the, care. People need to understand. The, the only reason he cared about Blake Griffin's money is because it's a capped league, not because he didn't want to pay him. Right. Like, it was the constraints that the contract created, right. he, not the actual he, because money. Because he wants to win. Right. And whether he can, I don't know. But, you know, I I think the Lakers are in great shape uh, going forward. They really are. And I, I think, you know... Most of the criticisms that I have of them as front office, you know, people accuse us of being too negative. Most of the criticisms I have of them are like sort of overarching kind of concerns like, are they doing this? Do they really? But generally speaking, they're in good shape and they've done a good job. I love the idea of having like a really competitive L.A. basketball market again. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that Ballmer can figure this out. And the Clippers don't spend another 10 years being terrible. And the Lakers don't spin their wheels for another three or four years because it would be so much fun. It really would. To have this really be a thing. And it never has been. So my, that, that's my hope is because the Clippers were doomed to mediocrity for however long this contract went. Well, or worse. Well, they, I mean, first of all, it, it, I think we all should have realized in the moment that any deal consummated by a picture like a sketch drawn of pioneers lincoln mlk jfk gandhi einstein mandela michael jackson uh lincoln and obama and blake griffin that was not destined to go the distance like that was an omen in and of itself like this thing is going to fall apart like the 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 pioneers picture that should have been a signal yeah. just from the beginning this is not it's going little, to work it's out a little overwrought that's why, that's why <laughs> but, einstein had a no trade clause but, <laughs> You, know, you take the money. Um, so, and we'll see what happens. We, 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 you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this going forward and how the Clippers plan on rebuilding. We know a lot more about what they're planning on doing after this week, uh, yeah. the trade deadline goes. Um, but it, it is, it's become a much more interesting time in, in LA basketball, much more competitive time. Um, will we do another one of these before I'm looking at my watches if there's a date on it? But we're going to do another of these before the end of the deadline or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we still got a week. We got a week. We're, we'll do this again. All right. So we'll do one more of these, uh, leading up into the deadline. Then we'll end up doing one right, right after. after the deadline. Um, but right now we're done. So it's over and we'll see everybody next time.